0: Hi, welcome to the Rusty Duck Book Club podcast. Today we are going to be talking about chapters, The Veil and up to the letter of the book, Persepolis.
1: So we start off with chapter one, The Veil, and it portrays child innocence and lack of understanding or awareness. So basically the author is uh, depicting herself as a young girl. And this is like the start of the revolution where, um, the school children, they're like separated from girls and boys and they need to wear veils, but they don't know what's happening. So they don't want to wear the veils and they use it as like toys. And then what I found interesting was that the like leaders of the revolution, they use capitalism as an excuse to dictate like everyone's lives and they uh I already said separate children but they are they seem very forceful about the whole thing and the people are shamed for protesting such as um the her dad and her mother and there's a very how do I say it? there's a very big emphasis on the conflict between religion and modernism, especially within the author herself. Then we move on to the next chapter, the bicycle. Um, And one interesting quote I found, she says, the revolution is like a bicycle. When the wheels don't turn, it falls. And um, I don't know, I found that quote interesting. and So we also were introduced to the history behind the revolution so it went from the um, the emperors to the arab invasion to the mongolian invasion and now modern imperialism from the allies and on in this revolution we see kind of a connect to current events where there's a lot of police brutality on the side of the government basically you know basically fascism um, and the government is the Shah. Shah commands it, and we see that there were four hundred people killed um, because of the brutality. Next chapter, the water cell, and we see that the school teachings they influence the view on the Shah, um, especially the author as a child, because they're teaching different things from what her parents believe, and. I don't, this is probably a little bit, I don't know, I don't want to say controversial, but maybe, but they use God like almost as a scapegoat to believe they are doing good things. Like we see, um, her parents told her a story about, about, uh, how the Shah came to be, and they were saying like this is what god wants while like enforcing a very bad regimen almost and the british basically took advantage of an aspiring officer to make him the shah or the emperor and they did this because they wanted oil and the rightful monarch was thrown out because of his young age and he was actually smart um So, and they didn't want smart people trying to conspire against them or anything, so they threw him out. And they, the Shah, the, I don't know, the fraud, he basically made a good family live in poverty and the government lived in their own little bubble. And that's basically it. Um, any thoughts?
0: I agree on how you said like they used God as a scapegoat because like I remember vividly when reading, I remember in the textbook, they said like God chose the Shahs to lead the revolution and stuff like that. And I thought that was like really surprising to me of how they were using God as an excuse for all of
1: like this violence and stuff like that. Very interesting, um, Nefeli. Do you have anything
2: to say? Um, I think that the veil has a deeper meaning in the first chapter. I think it symbolizes the oppression of like the women and the students in the school. I thought it was interesting that Marjane had a different opinion about it and deeply connected to the veil and to her religion. So yeah, mm-hmm.
1: Alex.
3: You know, I I agree that the theme of the text so far, like a motif of it, is that uh, basically it has to do with like child innocence and a bit of confusion with the fact that Marjane basically, um, she thought she was like a prophet. That's what she wanted to be. And a lot of this stuff she said, she was just confused on what was going on, such as, uh, for example, she thought that, uh, the shab was like like many depicted as dreaded and that he was a terrible person for what happened to her grandfather. But that was just the point of view of what her family had said. And she, being a kid, she didn't have like a full view of what was going on. She had just seen uh, stuff going on in the streets, it's the revolution and the impression by being uh, covered with a hijab or the veil as it's called. And she was just very confused in the way that a lot of what she said just wasn't the truth.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually answered my the question I was gonna ask, which was, how does her young age influence her viewpoints? Because we do see a lot of conflict between her family's uh, her family's beliefs, and the way she was taught at school, how they taught her to almost fall into the same, fall into what basically she has to believe to support whatever the Shah wants. Um, yeah,
0: cause like they were telling them like, you should support the Shahs. Like they're, like what they're doing is good. And so I feel really bad for her cause she's like such a, at such a young age and she's like, sort of forced to believe stuff and she doesn't know any better and they're obviously learning it at school something like so violent and like it really makes them vulnerable and makes them like more open to stuff yeah like i don't want to sorry you go
3: ahead yeah no problem i mean before because she was a kid, her exposure was just to her family. So her uh, grandparents, her grandfather being, I think the prince, it was said uh, to be of uh, the, what was it, the Kajar dynasty, and then was later taken over by the Pahlavi's with uh, Reza Shah and then later uh, the, his son, the Shah. I mean, to her, yeah, it seems, oh, somebody came in and took the his birthright of becoming later the king by what seemed to be just a military general. But in reality, uh, her grandfather was, that dynasty was not really beneficial for the country at all. They sold out to other countries and they just wasted the country's money and everything. And it was kind of a, um, uh, how would you put this? It wasn't good for the rest of the population. It was like a selfish, uh, loyal uh, royalty kind of country.
1: Yeah, um, like I don't wanna, I don't wanna call the like what they're teaching her like brainwashing because at the end of the day, the teachers like they're just doing their job, but it is kind of like taking advantage of. Like innocent minds, and that is kind of sad. Yeah, and like
0: I think a turning point for me was like when Marjane she went home and like she openly expressed to her parents like, "Oh, the shaws are good." I thought that was like really shocking, and like in the comment, I could see the disbelief in her parents' looks based on what she just said, and that was like really
2: deep <laughs> yeah
1: okay um Nefeli, do you have anything else
2: to say um yeah i think that based on what everyone else said that it seems like it's more of like a puppet government how would you say that the government is basically brainwashing the children through the schools and education that the, that they provide to believe in the shah and that it's made a really bad influence on them. And like Milena said, when Marjane goes home to her parents, she's completely biased by what she's told at in school.
1: Yeah, and and she doesn't know she's being biased because she's never mm-hmm. she hasn't experienced the other side's beliefs.
2: Yeah, like I said, she doesn't know any better.
1: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. We're back from our break so let's discuss um another important element throughout these chapters and that was her believing that she was going to be the prophet when she grows up yeah so another one of
0: our question is why does marjane want to become a prophet and like What are the reasons for her wanting to become one versus her actual motives?
1: Um. Her reasons. Wait, what do you mean by reasons versus motives? I don't know, this
0: is just what was on the, um, website. Well,
1: she, (laughs) she does hold God, um, to a very, like, how do you say it? Like, high podium. Like, she has a lot of respect for him, is what it seems like.
0: But, like, later on in the book, we can see that she doesn't rely on him much, because, like, she realizes all the violence, and I think at one point, she... Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, whoa there, are you giving spoilers? Oh. <laughs> but, yeah,
0: I know, like, like, every night, she talks to him about what's going on, mm-hmm. and her desire to become a prophet,
1: and, like, do good. hmm And, but, um... like. Like even within this chapter itself, um, I think like, is it after she, her parents like tell her about the whole revolution thing that she, her mind wavers between wanting to actually be, actually be a prophet? Um, I'm not sure.
0: But I know that like later on, she believes that like it's not as realistic or as like easy as it sounds so she starts giving up on that dream to become a prophet and like later on she just doesn't think about it anymore
1: yeah that's like kind of her character arc like when she starts maturing when everyone starts maturing you like you really see things from a bigger picture and it's kind of sad that you realize that you really can't do what you wanted to do as a child like it me yeah because yeah. like she just wanted to like do good as a prophet
0: but now with all the revolutions and stuff and the war it just makes it a lot harder
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: I think Earlier in the book, like on page six to seven, she was telling her grandmother about what the rules would be if she was a prophet. And it seems so planned out for her and clean, and she knows exactly what she's gonna do to make the world a better place. But as the story goes on, she kind of loses faith in it because of the war and the revolution.
3: Yeah, and, and nobody really had faith in her becoming a prophet except for maybe her grandmother was the only person who knew the rules, yeah, like Nafeli said as uh, she got older, she then got to see more and how complex the world was. Mm
1: -hmm. And that does kind of bring into the, the discussion how we are kind of in our own little bubble of reality, like even if we do think that we know everything about the world now and we're all mature, we really do still see things from our own our own viewpoints no matter how unbiased we think we are. Is there anything else anyone would like to add to that because we can move on to the um the aspect of the when the British officials, when they took advantage of um, the Shaw to be, I guess. Um, Yeah, I think we can move on now. Mm -hmm. Okay, so on page 19, um, this is the water cell chapter. um the it's not paragraph so like the last box on that page it says the truth is that 50 years ago the father of the shah who was a soldier organized a push push to overthrow the emperor and install a republic and the dude in the middle he says god is with us riza god is with us and then the guy on the right he says and even if he isn't what can stop us So it kind of brings a divide between um, being power hungry and taking advantage of what you're given versus, like, I guess, being grateful that someone is on your side and helping you, Um, for example, uh, according to them, God is helping them. They
0: said that or the father of merging, he said that the father of the Shah wants to do the same as like Gandhi as well as Adara- Ataturk um, but he wasn't like educated like Gandhi and like he wasn't as smart and didn't really have a sense of what he was
1: doing. So like even if you are old, if you're not educated, I guess that still means you can be really easily influenced. Yeah. <laughs> okay, is there anything else anyone would like to add? Um,
0: I have another question. Is the difference between social classes important to the story?
1: Well, first of all, bringing it back to um, uh, the them replacing the you know the rightful heir with the the guy who wanted to have a lot of power. Um, they they took advantage of someone who wasn't educated, like you said. And with um, a lower social class, I guess you don't have a lot of the same, like you don't get accessibility, the same accessibility to proper education um, as someone with a higher social class. So that could also be one of the reasons why he was so easily taken advantage of. Yeah, and I
0: remember that in the book, Marjane, she always said that she always was had like a feeling of shame because her father owned a Cadillac, and she would always ride in it. But she never really knew why she was ashamed of riding in it or like felt guilty in a way so I think that could have to do with social class too but we can get into that in the next podcast because I know like later on in the chapter they go to that one
1: Mm. very interesting Alex Nifeli. do you have anything to say
2: um You basically said what I wanted to say. Um, I feel like Marjane feels ashamed of her social class because her parents are more educated, and yeah, because of the Cadillac, but mostly because people with a lower social class don't really understand what's happening within the revolution. And they, as you said, they don't have accessibility to the education that she does, even though she is also being
1: influenced.
3: Yeah, you pretty much summed it up.
1: Okay. Do you guys want to say bye to the podcast?
3: See ya. Okay, goodbye.